G'day, g'day guys. Now before we dive into today's show, I want to let you know that some of you may be aware that over the past eight years, I have built a substantial multifamily real estate portfolio here in the US worth over half a billion dollars. And in that time, my passive investors have received fantastic double digit returns. And now you too can invest directly into my deals for as little as $50,000. So if you're an interested investor, head over to reedgoosens.com to find out more. That's reedgoosens.com. Now back into the show. A lot of people are actually encountering some issues with uh, a low occupancy rate and a lot of vacancy because they are in either a market that's not going to be traveled to or they they pigeonhole their properties in a way that they are in that middle tier. And so let me explain that. If you're not the top 5%, if you're not the top 10%, you're gonna be competing with everyone. And not only are you competing with everyone, you're competing with bargain shoppers. I'm a bargain shopper, there's nothing wrong with that. I wanna deal. But when you're the top tier, a lot of those folks are still traveling. A lot of those folks, they seem to not be um, impacted by the inflation. It's it's a conversation between you with a top tier property and these individuals with top tier finances. Welcome to Investing in the US, a podcast for real estate investors, business owners, and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to break into the US market. Join Reid as he interviews go-getters, risk-takers, and the best in the business about their journey towards financial freedom and the sheer joy of creating something from nothing. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the US podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the US, how they've created financial freedom massive amounts of cash flow and ultimately create extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link, and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug, but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Today on the show, I have the pleasure of chatting with Rachel Gainsborough. 
Rachel was born in Haiti and then migrated to the United States where she was raised in Miami, Florida. Through a lot of hard work, Rachel became a doctor, but was unfortunately left with over $500,000 in student loans. So she decided to work hard to pay off those loans. And along the way, she discovered Airbnb investing. And it became a complete game changer for her because she was able to make 15 times the amount on a short-term rental compared to that of a long-term rental. Now, she is a healthcare professional by day and a real estate investor by night. She's the owner and manager of 18 luxury short-term rentals with a lucrative cash-flowing rental portfolio. She's a mum, a wife, and to top it all off, she's actually a real estate coach. So I'm really pumped and excited to share her incredible knowledge with you today. But enough out of me. Let's get her out here. G'day, Rachel. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, Reed. I am doing so good. I cannot tell you how honored I am to be here with you today. I just thank you for putting all the energy and effort and putting in years and years and getting this podcast out to the community because it's information that we all need to hear. I know as a W-2 uh, worker, I always look for inspiration and motivation from those podcasts. And so I thank you for being amongst the top ones. Hey, well, can I do my best, right? You know, just keep 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 grinding, and it will eventually get there. Um, but to start the to start the show, I like to ask all my guests the same question: Rewind the clock and tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid. Yeah, that's a great question. You know what? I came from Haiti, like you mentioned a little bit earlier, and my mom, she made it a point that she didn't really want me working uh, because the stigma was once you start working, you start making a little bit of money as a kid, you don't really go all in on your education. So she really wanted me to focus on education and not get pigeonholed into being like a seamstress or something like that, which is what a lot of, you know, those who are my age would get pigeonholed hold into. But when I was 17, I got my first part-time job and I was a telemarketer. Mm. So I would call people and try to sell them this insurance product in a box. (laughs) I lasted two days. I cried and walked home. I got fired. I was so bad at it. (laughs) I know a lot of people who've been fired from telemarketing jobs. It sounds like the worst. Right. There's all this there's all this promise of making these commissions and you can do really, really well and it sounds great, particularly as like a student or a uni student or something like that. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's like, oh God, I gotta sit and, and talk to so many people in a call center. That sounds terrible. So Oh yeah, and awesome. they hang up on you. They were like, No, if they would talk, that's one thing, but they would just hang up, they would be angry. I was like, I can't handle this. <laughs> <laughs> but I mentioned in the intro your Clearly, you you have a grind or a work, sorry, a knack for for grinding and a hard work ethic because you became a doctor. Walk us through that. You're an immigrant. Parents are immigrants. Clearly, this I've had a lot of immigrants on this show. I'm an immigrant myself. I obviously came here a lot older, but there's that stigma. What you said earlier of like you you got to be a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer. So what did that? Was that a big defining? Um, sort of elephant in the room as you're growing up, you know, going through education and and, and starting to flap your own wings? Absolutely. Absolutely. It was, it was, you know, it was education and faith. It was a constant reminder and it was the norm. There were only two careers. There was a doctor, there was nurse. Uh, If you want to go the, um, uh, the reading and writing route, there's attorneys, but there's not much more. You know, so real estate investing was never on the table. We never had conversations about investing in anything, really. It was you're going to punch a clock, you know, and walk into work every day and generate revenue by punching a clock. 
and it depends on how far you get go in school, what type of clock that would be. So it was expected of us to excel. And so I went the doctor route. I wanted to do healthcare, specifically a pharmacist. And I, I just, I really, really loved it. But the student loans debt was it was so burdensome. And eventually between my husband and I, we really grinded it out between the both of us. At one point, we had two jobs, five jobs, actually, between the two of us. Wow. You know, just going from hospital to hospital and just working. And so that's when I realized that that is not sustainable. I can't do this till I'm 65 years old, you know. And so if when I read Warren Buffett's comment, um, he has a quote, if you don't find a way to make money while you sleep, you will work until you die. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that really struck a chord. And when we realized like we we had to do something, we wanted to get rid of the debt. But afterwards, you know, what are the next step? Are we going to rely on pensions and Social Security or are we going to you know, create a life that we want? and do some of the things that we want. And that came through real estate investing for sure. And tell me, just paying off $500,000 in student loans, like that is, as an as a non-American myself, like I went, I went to uni in Australia where we have um, hex debt, a higher education, something, yeah. something loan. Like I don't remember what it is. But like you always hear about the multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars of debts that the, the that Americans you know take under. But $500,000, that's a lot to be burdened with coming straight out of uni? Like how long did it take you to pay that off? Yeah, that's a great question. So between my husband and I, we actually, thankfully, um, within a year or two, we really started to generate some good revenue and start to take on that debt. The biggest mistake that I made initially is coming from, you know, a household with not a lot of, you know, finances. So we couldn't really talk a lot about financial literacy. There were not no finances, really. <laughs> it was small. And then graduating and, you know, being a student, not a lot of finances there. As soon as I completed school and we graduated, um, I thought, wow, the world is my oyster. That was, you know, the thought process. So the first thing I did read was what any intelligent, responsible human being would do. I went and got a big car. I got a big house. I put the kids in front. I did it so wrong and it's not even funny, you know? So it took, it was a learning curve. I quickly realized that the revenue you expect to generate you need to take out taxes. You need to take out Social Security, FICA, all of those things. And once you've taken those things out, what do you have left? Is it enough to live a, you know, a decent life and really uh, get those student loans paid off? And it wasn't. Read it wasn't it? We were going through a tough time. It was around 2008. There were a couple of employment issues and crashes, and it took my husband a moment to get his uh, job going. And so when we really sat down, we looked at the numbers, and he's more conservative with the numbers than I am. He, you know, he was just very, very stressed, and I knew at that moment if I didn't do something drastic, our marriage would be in jeopardy. Our family would be in jeopardy. So we sold everything, Reed. We sold the car. We sold the house. We moved down from a six-bedroom gigantic house for the for three of us down to a three-bedroom apartment. Uh, the square foot from almost 6,000 square feet down to 1,300 square feet. 
And then we took every dime that came above our basic means and we paid off the student loans and we were able to get rid of it in about two and a half, three years, which is really incredible compared to, you know, most people, um, you know, will hold on to it for 10, 20 years. Yeah, no, that that it is incredible. And it's funny that you say that you came out with the idea that you thought you had to have the big car, the big house, keeping up with the Joneses. It's such yeah. a it, – it's a, it's a byproduct of wanting to have everything and thinking that you're wealthy, but actually you're not, if that makes sense. Like yes. you think because you're driving around in a big car that you're better off. Well, there's a lot of people who drive around in cars that they can't afford, right? Yeah. So having – you know, and that goes back to not understanding financial, yeah. being financially literate. You know, you, you just think exactly. you want to, you know, what society tells you to consume, consume, consume. But at the end of the day, you can still be a very, you know, a doctor earning incredible money, but you might be living paycheck to paycheck because you've got to support the $6,000 house. You've got to support the two bloody BMWs. You've got to get the kids in the best school. And it's not about like living within your means in order to, to, to build up the nest egg to then go out and invest and have, you know, for true financial freedom. So, Talk to me about how you stumbled across the the, the the real estate investing piece. And because you mentioned 2008, so it's obviously quite a long time ago. Was it recently that you came across, you know, the discovery of real estate investing and wanting to be more financial literate and, and, and put your money to work? Yeah. So around, I want to say 2018 or so, we started to really study it. And so again, listening to podcasts like yours and bigger pockets and really trying to get a feel of what it means to be an investor, what it means to generate revenue outside of the W-2. And so I binge consumed them and I started to learn. And in 2019, we invested in our very first property. It was a single family home. Uh, Initially, we thought to ourselves, okay, let's start off. You know, we had the frugality, we'd bitten the frugality bug. So we tried to go into something that was extremely frugal, but when we looked at the time capital, you know, you have to weigh it out, right? The time capital, the time commitment. Am I better served managing a project, a whole renovation, or am I better served doing a wholesaling strategy, or am I better served clocking into my nine to five, generating a good amount of revenue, and you know, supplying uh, the you know that revenue to purchase property? And so, my highest and best use was to stay in my W two and to uh, purchase property by leveraging my W-2 history and leveraging my W-2 income. And so that's that's why we went into that strategy. We, we actually looked at, you know, what is the best way to get into investing to generate revenue? And we looked at cryptocurrency. We didn't understand any of it. We looked into all the different aspects of real estate. And the only one that really made sense to us based on the numbers perspective was Airbnb short-term rental. Right. I, what you just said just there, I think I want to reiterate for so many people is that you didn't go off and shoot the golden goose, right? And so many people get, they, they, they go to a conference, they read a book, they hear a podcast, they, they just think, oh my God, I'm going to go and become a real estate investor tomorrow. But my story is, your story is, a lot of people I've invested, interviewed on this podcast, it takes a decade or longer. It's going to take a long period of time to transition out of a W-2, particularly if you're earning six figures or more, like I'm sure you are being a doctor salary, to replace that income. It's not going to happen overnight. And the fact is you get you, you kept to keep the roof over your head, the, the kids fed in the car full of petrol. So you can't go 
shoot that golden goose. And yeah. so many people don't talk about that balance of trying to manage the entrepreneurial side of them. They've got the bug. They want to go and you know, buy all the deals, but they need to still keep the home base a home. Otherwise, you'll be on the street. Uh, I personally you know, did, did something similar. I, I actually was an engineer. And instead of going, I really wanted to be uh, in, in the real estate game, instead of going and quitting and trying to you know, make with no money, I went and became uh, a property man- a project manager for a real estate development company here in Los Angeles, continuing to learn the, the game whilst being paid the most amount in the corporate world. And that is just a lesson that I want to talk, you know, just hit on before we continue, that everyone has their own story, but it's not about quitting the day job tomorrow. It's about using it as a tool to leverage you into more deals in the interim. Before you get to a point where you can say, I'm at a point where I can go off and quit the W2, actually don't need that anymore. So just wanted to drive that home there for, for, for a lot of people listening. Um, so Airbnbs, tell me about the first one. Why does it, why is it so lucrative for you guys? You, I mentioned 15X in the mm-hmm. introduction, right? What are you doing differently? Yeah, so what we're doing differently is we're really focused on not just the property or a place to stay, we're focused on the experience. And so we provide a luxury accommodation. And the best part about modern luxury is that it doesn't have to break the bank. It's not the accumulation of things. I don't know if back where you're from, Reed, you used to watch Lifestyle of the Rich and Famous, where we would watch this show and the guy, he had the gold toilets and all. That's not luxury travel. It's the individuals want to connect with nature. So luxury, our luxury is not the same as our parents and grandparents luxury right and so how do we curate a stay where they can connect with each other where they can reconnect with nature as well as um connect with um you know have the convenience of the the space right as as compared to other accommodations and so for us modern luxury has been such a great way to create that x factor in the properties And again, when I studied it, I realized, wow, it really doesn't have to break the bank. It's in the communication, it's in the connections, and it's really in the convenience. If you can provide that unique space, unique stay for your guests, it can make all of the the difference. And uh, on the side, we also like to purchase uh, bigger homes that are within our budget, because when you have the larger homes, you can then host a larger group, say, you know, your family, your siblings, adult siblings with their spouses and their children and then the grands and theirs, you know, and so on and so forth. So I just counted about four or five paying adult units, you know, that can split that nightly rate and still get a better deal than staying in a hotel. And you're you're thereby able to get those 15x returns because you're charging a higher rate, but you have multiple adults that are sharing a space, they're connecting with each other, you've created a an experience for them to come together. And um, and it's just been such a blessing and an honor to, to be able to curate that because that's the way I travel. You know, I travel with my siblings and the fact that we're pet friendly also adds the cherry on top. So, yeah. Talk to me about, you, you, you mentioned reconnecting with nature. So, and, and design. Um, my wife's an interior designer. I'm a, a former structural engineer. I've worked a lot with architects building stuff from scratch. Design is such a – people overlook it so easily and don't spend any money on it when they're planning out a project, but yet it's so cheap in the long run. 
because the return on investment, if you just think about it for 30 seconds and about how you want to curate a space, it, it, it makes all the difference and can achieve 15x. So what are you doing when you say connecting with nature and, and, and how are you staging your homes in a way that, that creates that, that X factor to you, what you said earlier, to entice those people to come and think this does feel like luxury? So Yari, that is a great question. And I bring on the professionals for sure. So I have my ideas of things, but like you say, you and your wife, you all are the professionals. I bring them on, let them know what my vision is, and they will come behind me and kind of course correct, which I love. I'll I'll put out these chairs, I'll put out the sitting and the outdoor, I'll do a fire pit, like no, too many chairs, we're gonna break it up. And you know, they give me some great ideas because that's their area of expertise. And so outdoor living spaces, we can live in the outdoors too. It's not just indoor living space, but we want to transition that to the outdoor living spaces, especially when you have breath taking views when you're in an area where there's a really great, you know, backyard, let's create a space, you know, and and create some intrigue. Simple things read, no, no joke, an inflatable uh, movie screen, right? Something that you can add on as a rental and you're still generating more. I call that passive revenue in this property that you already have. So, Although our portfolio has grown, I tell my community and I teach, you know, when I consult, how do I own and operate the fewest number of properties that generates the highest profitability? And that's how we squeeze the juice out of each property. Outdoor inflatable, you know, movie theater rental. How fun would that be? You know, so each area has their own personality, leveraging that and making the most out of that property because we're not going out and getting 20 mass social properties, it's one at a time and we can really pour into it and create the systems around it and really make it into something special. So that's really what's important to me. And that's what I really teach because that's the X factor right there. For those of you who are interested in staying up to date with all the latest happenings in my business, or to learn more about passively investing directly into my multifamily value-add deals, then head over to reedgoosens.com and sign up for my monthly newsletter. By signing up, you'll automatically be notified about my new up-and-coming investment opportunities. You'll be able to stay up to date with all the latest real estate news here in the United States and much, much more. So head over to reedgoosens.com and sign up today. Now, back into the show. And I think it's attention to detail at the end of the day, right? You can, you can, to your point, you can make, you can maximize out of one or then just do it mediocre over 10, you know? Yeah. So um, give me a sense of where these properties are, you know, which states they're in. Are they on the beach? Are they in the mountains? Are they, you know, in the desert? Like what, what or do you have all of them? <laughs> right. So right now it's a combination. We have mountain and lake houses in the Pocono region mm-hmm. of Pennsylvania. We have um, a beach house that we're building right now on the Florida Panhandle. And we actually have homes in a suburban area in Georgia outside of the city uh, <laughs> where we stumbled upon an, uh, a group of or rather rather an avatar that we we didn't expect at all. So we have the movie industry here. I know you're in California, but there's the Hollywood of the South, which is Georgia. 
And it's been interesting to host a lot of the cast and crew, but additionally, we're hosting what's called midterm rentals. And midterm rentals are uh, those who are staying with us for 30 nights, whether it's cast and crew or of, you know, a, a movie that's coming out. Uh, so they're staying 30 nights or more, three months, six months stays. But there's a, a an entire demographic of those who are business travelers who are doing that as well for a number of reasons, as well as those who are displaced from their home due to an unfortunate disaster where there's a natural natural disaster or a fallen tree. And those stays are actually paid for by the insurance companies. And those have been really, really um, just great guests and very lucrative stays as well because the insurance pockets are deep. <laughs> Yeah, I hate to put it that way, but it's the truth. Yeah. Are you seeing any kickback or lag because you're in the space of travel, right? You know, besides the insurance stayers, are you seeing anything in terms of a pullback with this high inflationary market that people aren't going to go out and have that discretionary money to go and take the holiday with the family and they might have to put that on pause, pause this year and, and do it next year? That is a great question. And I know a lot of people are seeing that read and I'm not going to um, just gloss over that. A lot of people are actually encountering some issues with uh, a low occupancy rate and a lot of vacancy because they are in either a market that's not going to be traveled to or they they pigeonhole their properties in a way that they are in that middle tier. And so let me explain that. If you're not the top 5%, if you're not the top 10%, you're going to be competing with everyone. And not mm. only are you competing with everyone, you're competing with bargain shoppers. I'm a bargain shopper. There's nothing wrong with that. I want to deal. But when you're the top tier, a lot of those folks are still traveling. A lot of those folks, they seem to not be um, impacted by the inflation it's it's a conversation between you with a top tier property and these individuals with top tier finances for whatever reason, for better or for worse. That's just an observation that I'm making. However, if you succumb to have a mad property, then you're like everyone else. It's just a race to who who can give you the cheapest deal. And that's what I'm going with. So. I say stay in the blue ocean, get out of the red ocean where there's a feeding frenzy. You want to set yourself apart. What are you doing every single quarter to set yourself apart? And it could be small things, you know, that really uh, gives individuals who stay with you that extra nudge. We have a direct booking campaign after a guest, you know, stays with, with us and they leave. We collect their email and we we reach out. We say, hey. You know, it's been six months. Remember how much fun you had? Come on back. You know, so you you do want to take that extra step. It's not a uh, set it and forget it. Mm -hmm. And when I say we, I mean my one virtual assistant that helps with that. <laughs> I'm not going to take credit for it. Thank you, Christian. But, you know, just so you can understand that it's figure outable. Four or five emails a year, you're top of mind. So right. it's not a spamming situation. It's just right. you're top of mind. And if you can name their kids, oh, I really hope so-and-so enjoyed their birthday. And it's that time again. Come and enjoy this, you know, free ice cream coupon and stay with us. That's, These that, are the things, you know, that makes the difference. And this is what no one else is doing, I don't think. And so that's how you're going to stay top of mind. 
I, I love that. And and it was actually, I was thinking as you're speaking, when you had all your multiple different properties, the Poconos, you know, Atlanta, um, you know, down in the Florida Panhandle, I was thinking to myself, I wonder if she, you know, co-advertises other stays or spaces in your when someone's there. So if you're in the Poconos, there's a flyer for, hey, if you like this, we also own something down the road. And nearly you could create a, um, and I'm, I'm such a, a geek when I, I just I geek out on this sort of stuff, like an ecosystem of, you nearly become a, a boutique hotel at that point because you're offering certain, mm-hmm. you know, flavors for certain times of the month. And, you know, oh, you, you want rainforest? We've got rainforest. You want Poconos? Your hills? We've got this. We've got beaches. We've also got desert, you know, like, and you can start to create a, an ecosystem around that. Do you, do you try and cross promote other properties that you own? We actually, so for the one that we have in Georgia, we have a lot of individuals who go to Florida. So we do cross promote that one to the one that we're building in Florida. Hey, stay up to date on this. But yes, that is the ultimate goal. And that is what we're building on the back end of our our site to cross promote using whether it's a hashtag or something like that, like you said, to almost keep the branding, you know, specific to all of the properties. So yeah, for sure. Um, quickly pivoting before we come to the end of the show, I'd love to just quickly touch on you know medical professionals, right? You're, you met, we mentioned in the green room that you're still working, it's somewhat smaller, but you're still working a W two. Yeah. Are you having conversations with other medical professionals, high high income earners that want to shelter taxes or anything like that, you know, and get involved in real estate to to, to maybe even to, to potentially you may raise money from them for your own deals. Yeah, that's a great question. And so since, like you said, I am looking to, to transition, I'm now consulting. And so not having the the robust W2, you know, anymore, I am looking at ways to pivot to start to raise capital uh, for uh, upcoming deals. Right now, we're actually finishing up a construction. But after that, I'll be looking around like, okay, how do I leverage, you know, my tools, my skill set, my resources, my team, my systems, my processes to, you know, create an offer for other medical professionals who want to get into the game and not necessarily uh, want to, you know, do any of the heavy lifting. It is medicine is an intense, you know, demanding um, job. And so I have figured out a way to work on my short-term rental business and less than two hours a week, but it didn't happen overnight, right? It was a lot of bumping, you know, against the road and kissing frogs and (laughs) trying to find the right people, make sure they're in the right seats on the bus. But yeah, I am looking to do that um, within the next upcoming year. And the great thing about short-term rentals, similar to multifamily syndications, is we have cost segregation studies that we can do as well. We have bonus depreciation that we can leverage as well. So just such an amazing asset. And my favorite thing, Reed, is it's also an asset that you get to enjoy from time right. to time. So right. you get you get <laughs> to you get to enjoy the spoils of your your hard work. So, yeah. um, but I could also imagine having that conversation, knowing being in the medical world, that you just you know what other medical professionals are going through. It's, it's a very a laborious career. You're, no, not laborious, I shouldn't say. It's, it's, it's intense in terms of demanding, the study yeah. and then demanding in terms of getting into a, a hospital and you're doing all the work and working 12-hour shifts and just not having any time to think about, well, how am I creating financial freedom for me and my family? And using your story and your experience with that to have other communication and, and, and conversations with other medical professionals in your space. I, 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 sh- I could only assume that would be very, very powerful. Yeah, absolutely. I look forward to delving into it. It's not something that I've done yet, 
but it's something that's always, you know, top of mind because I'm always looking for the next great deal. So awesome, awesome <laughs> stuff. Well, look, at the end of every show, we love to dive into the top five investing tips. You ready to get into it? I'm ready. <laughs> Question number one is what's the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Oh, so I have a morning routine and it probably doesn't look like everyone else's, but I keep to my own morning routine where I task plan, I drink my water, I do my walk and a little bit of meditation. So keeping a morning routine really sets the pace for my day. I could only imagine I'm, I'm a morning routine type of guy as well, that if you don't do your morning routine, your whole day's screwed, right? <laughs> totally derailed. Yes. Totally derailed. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Question number two is who's the most influential person in your career to date? Both, both not, not necessarily just in real estate, just in general. Oh, in general, I would say it's my mom, to be honest with you. Her work ethic is like no other. Mom and dad are great. She takes care of my dad now. So she's recently retired. And so she's, she, I, I admire everything about her. I'm sure she's just <laughs> created such a work ethic within yourself to go, you know, become a doctor and then pay off the $500,000, you know, and build a, an Airbnb business. It's, it's, it's pretty freaking awesome. So well done, mum. if she's listening in. <laughs> Question number three is in, uh, what is the most influential tool in your business? Now, when I say tool, it could be a physical tool like a journal or a phone, or it could be a piece of software that you just can't run the business without. What is it? Oh, that's great. So for me, the tool in my Airbnb short-term rental business is actually my dynamic pricing tool. Mm. So I have a tool that I use that helps with pricing to make sure that I'm not missing out on a major concert or occupancy, you know, that's happening right now. So it'll help increase and decrease the pricing. And I, you know, you don't set it and forget it again, but it, it really was the big aha moment for me when What's I turned called? it on. It's called Price Labs. Price Labs. Because I could assume you could use it in multi yourself or you could use it in any anything that needs dynamic pricing. Yeah, dynamic pricing for sure. Yeah, and it's similar to what the hotel revenue managers are using. So it's it's just been amazing. Yeah, Price Labs. There are other competitors as well, um, but I love Price Labs. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to. I'll have to definitely check that out. It's uh, interesting. I've always, I've always been really intrigued. We on the multifamily side, we use um, LRO or CoStar to to have that dynamic pricing. It's probably all based on the same fundamental software, <laughs> but it's, uh, <laughs> but but it's it, it's it's great to hear. So price up. Definitely going to check that one out. Thank you so much for that. Uh, question number four is in one sentence. What's been the biggest failure in your career, and what did you learn from that failure? Ooh. Not doing my due diligence on a deal. Yeah. So I had a deal where um, there was a regulatory restraint and I didn't do all of my due diligence and we had to sell uh, sooner than expected. We didn't lose a whole lot, but we didn't make as much as we had hoped for. So lessons learned, do your due diligence. I dot my I's and I cross my T's every every single time and it dealt with an HOA. So buyer beware. <laughs> right. Right. So many people, I think, who listen to this show, who've been on this show, myself included, due diligence in the beginning, you trip <laughs> and fall. you got to get back up on the horse and le yeah. lessons learnt and hopefully you don't lose too much money in, in, those, in those lessons. <laughs> yeah. So uh, last question is where can people reach you to continue the conversation that will be in your sphere? Where do they go? Yeah, I actually have a resource. A question that I get asked all the time, Reed, is, 
where should I invest? What cities should I be looking for? So if your listeners want uh, that resource, if you go to 75gems.com, that's 75gems.com, you'll get access to it. It's an ugly spreadsheet, but everyone loves it. And uh, it'll provide you also my links to all of my social um, short-term gems on all of the social media sites. Love it. Short-term gems. Awesome mm -hmm. stuff. Well, look, Rachel, I want to thank you so much mm -hmm. for jumping on the show. I just want to reflect some of the things that I took away from today's show. I think obviously your hard work and ethic, you know, mm -hmm. your hard work ethic uh, to, to, to pay off $500,000 is no yeah. mean feat in student debts. You know, it's, it's, it's a cumbersome thing to come out of uni, um, but also around the idea of wanting to keep up with the Joneses and but also oh, realizing that you didn't you you're still probably living paycheck to paycheck and knowing that there's another way even though you were a doctor you had the big house you had the big cars you know you go into private schools i think that is so poignant for people who are listening today building that wealth that sometimes you have to take a step back before you can get to take a step forward in terms of living within your own means i think that's uh, super super important i also love what you're talking about in design the design of a space can make or break and being in that top 10 percent by just taking a few seconds to think about the short-term rental and, and and spending a few dollars on matching pieces and not having a hodgepodge of a you know excuse people who have this but I, it's my it's my peeve pet. A crappy picture of a of, of, of a beach with a bunch of shells on it, like you know the stock standard stock photos, which doesn't match any of the decor. Like just having a little bit of self awareness around design, and then knowing you may not you might not have a design you know aesthetic that people like, so go and hire the right people, right? Yeah. And then creating those little bit of extras, like the blow up inflatable movie screens or the uh, whatever it might be, the the gas barbecue or heating the pool to add more revenue to your um, to, 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 to your rental. And then finally, I thought you would have an awesome opportunity to co-brand the whole thing together and bring it in an ecosystem. Sounds like that's where you're headed and I'm excited to see you um, move on in the future. So did I leave anything out? No, no, you got it. That was awesome. <laughs> awesome stuff. Well, look, again, thank you so much, Rachel. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week and we'll catch up very, very soon. Thank you, Reed. I appreciate you having me. Bye-bye for now. Well, there you have another cracking episode jam packed with some incredible advice from Rachel on short-term rentals and how she's doing it differently to the average person out there, trying to get into that top 5% of short-term rentals to insulate her from market downturns. If you do want to check her out, go to 75gems.com um, and uh, we will have all the all the links from today's show up on my website at readgoosens.com. But if you are interested in getting your hands on that spreadsheet, it's 75gems.com. That's 75gems.com. Look, I want to thank you all again for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your financial IQ because that's what we're all about here on this show. The easiest way to give back if you do like this show is to give it a five-star review on iTunes and we're going to do this all again next week. So remember, be bold, be brave and go give life a crack. <laughs>